You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by... Brendan Sinclair. Hayden Taylor. We'll be discussing some of the biggest stories of the week. To start with, a recap of the headlines. It's financial report season, so we saw that Microsoft's gaming division reported revenues were up 5% year over year to $2.36 billion. Microsoft explained that hardware revenues were down for the quarter, but that was offset by the company's gaming software and services offerings, where sales jumped 12%. Over at Nintendo, software sales drove revenue and profit growth in the last fiscal year, with 23 Switch games selling more than 1 million units. Switch itself fell just shy of its 17 million target, with 16.95 million units sold in 12 months. Earlier in the week, Nintendo's shares rose after news that the device had been approved for sale in China. Speaking of China, the State Administration of Press and Publication has offered more details on its new approval process. The Online Game Ethics Committee that was formed last year will now evaluate whether games follow China's social values. Copycat titles, poker, mahjong, games with obscene content, dead bodies and pool of blood will not be approved. Submissions opened again this week, but there is now a limit on how many titles regulators will approve each year. Nico Partners expects fewer than 5,000 games to be approved in 2019. There's a lot more detail on gamesindustry.biz. Also in China, reports have spread of Chinese games and tech firms enforcing overtime on their staff. Employees have taken to GitHub to highlight companies operating an unofficial 996 ICU schedule. This refers to people working from 9am to 9pm, six days a week, with the stress putting some people in the intensive care unit. That's a 72-hour week, well over the legal limit of 44. Companies named included Tencent, Alibaba, NetEase, VR firm Zimmers, Whale Media, 9377 Games and Tap for Fun. Meanwhile, closer to home, Epic Games is the latest company taking criticism for its crunch culture, with reports about working conditions at the studio since the 2017 launch of Fortnite Battle Royale. Polygon spoke with multiple current and former Epic employees and contractors who put together an unflattering picture of their work experience, with many reporting working 70 hours a week regularly with some reaching up to 100 hours a week and sadly gentlemen that is our main topic of the show this week crunch we've seen it at epic we've now seen it in uh, china it's been in various headlines for various companies over the last year and in the last couple of days nether realm there's starting to be a few um, developers on twitter talking about the crunch conditions at nether realm i mean where do we even start like this this is just the the this is the industry issue that will never go away that we don't seem to be able to solve. I think we're getting closer to addressing it meaningfully than, you know, certainly ever in in my time uh, observing the industry. Um, I think there's been a big, big change in the last couple of years. Uh, First with like game workers United and the general push for unionization uh, in the industry. That is new. That is not something that I remember ever getting this much traction. And also in the willingness for uh, these developers uh, going through crunch to actually talk about it and to identify it as a bad thing. And then also to say like, yes, this in public, this studio is absolutely awful about this, even if it's through, you know, the NetherRealm Studios people are doing it basically uh, under their actual names on Twitter, which is stunning. And we've got people uh, coming out, you know, talking to journalists and, and outlets left and right um, with with some anonymity, uh, telling about their experiences at Rockstar, 
Quantic Dream, Telltale Games, and then, you know, this week you got Epic and NetherRealm. Like, that that's progress to me. It's definitely progress, but I think the the main kind of problem with it is, is it always the, the, like the news and stories about Crunch always seems to come out just a little bit too late. It's always after the game is shipped. It's never kind of while the actual people are actually living like the waking nightmare of full crunch. Yeah, they're too busy and to I, talk I to see... the press when they're crunching on the game. Yeah, no, of, of course, but it's like, it's still <laughs> kind of part finish. of the problem, don't you think? <laughs> it's still part of the problem, though, don't you think, that it's like, you know, we always find out like too late and it's, it's by that point, it's like they've already, they've, you know, these people have already been through it and suffered and, you know, they can tell their story, but it just seems that a few weeks later you have another studio after another game was released talking about how bad it has just been rather than like how bad it is now and what what can really be done to like alleviate the pain that these people are in as they're actually crunching. I think that's true for things like Red Dead Redemption with its 100 hour weeks and everything that kicked off last year like you know because we're not going to get another Red Dead for another what 10 years and another gta won't be another you know three four years away but something like mortal Kombat, which is a bit more regular or epic which is ongoing that is ongoing crunch for a games as a service game and i have i have to confess i hadn't really thought of that before like the the crunch of a games as a service we're shifting all of these all these biggest properties in the year, like the, the biggest games of the market now are ones that are ongoing, that are constantly updated. That means they are in constant development. And that does suggest, yeah, you may be in constant crunch. And particularly if it's like, you know, like the, the money spinner that Fortnite is, Epic's obviously going to be keen to kind of keep that going almost by any means necessary. So uh, airing that, while Epic is while Fortnite is still operating, you know Fortnite's not finished, and they'll uh, we'll bear this in mind for the next project. Like Fortnite is still going. Like I think if if the Epic stories get gets traction and change can be implemented there, that might affect that game hopefully. Sure, but I mean Fortnite's been running for nearly two years now, and this is the first we're hearing about. Yeah, it. Yeah, no, and that's true. That is true. It's just been it's just been churning. So if the crunch is as bad as we're kind of hearing then that's possibly that this has been going on for two years and like only just now probably less than two years because you know there was the, the period of it, of it of it growing but we're only just hearing about it now and it's like it is it is obviously good that people are coming forward and sharing their stories and like you said brendan like actually using their real names on twitter rather than it all being this like cloak and dagger sort of hero rumors from inside the studio um so that's a really positive change but it just feels it's kind of it's disheartening, I guess, is the main thing to just see see it always come just a little bit too late. I think Rockstar was a bit of an exception where where that news came out shortly before the game the game released, but that was like an offhand comment. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really an expose until until it became until all of a sudden like the issue just blew up out of nowhere. So this is actually like so I think the thing is that the the attitudes changing is the important part. Like one of the NetherRealm Studios uh, people that tweeted talked about this horrible uh, crunch they had done seven or eight years ago, and how it at the time they were totally gung ho about it, you know. And and it's only been in sort of the the years after that, in dealing with the the aftermath and the recovery process and. And finding a job that doesn't, you know, burn them out entirely, that they've they've sort of their attitude toward crunch evolved to the point where they're like, no, that's poisonous. That is absolutely hideous. And and this is crunch is so deeply embedded 
in this industry from its earliest days i i, I feel it's it's held up and and glorified and used as marketing in some cases uh just look how hard we're working for all you gamers we're doing it all for you and like that's that's a really warped uh set of values and and what's happening in the recent in the last few years is is evidence that that value set is changing and that doesn't happen overnight it takes a a lot of people creating a growing awareness that that crunch is is not worth it it's not noble it's it's not this this wonderful you know uh, rite of passage that you have to go through in this industry it's basically just exploitation of workers by you know the the larger company the the shareholders and executives of which are the ones that actually you know bring home the benefit from that from that horrible uh working environment and that's that's a big change and like the thing that gets me about a lot of stuff in in the world really is like bad things happen and i can accept that but what what always makes me like the most sad and heartbroken and distressed is when uh the response to something bad happening just kind of compounds the issue so like if there was crunch on this game and we only find out about it after the game ships like yeah that's not that's not perfect but we find out about it and now we can you know with that knowledge we can respond to it and say like okay well next time that's not going to happen let's let's change our practices let's change our policies let's change a studio culture that incentivizes and uh, insists on crunch let's change a culture among the workforce that that says crunch is just something that's inevitable and you're going to deal with it so you know suck it up like like these things all need to change but they don't they don't change overnight and like i'm this is one of the few things that i'm optimistic about in this industry (laughs) is is the way that attitudes have changed around crunch in recent years it's good to see that the attitude's changing around crunch at the workforce level that people aren't accepting it anymore and aren't just assuming it is it is the norm like i agree that is brilliant the attitude we need to change and i don't know how we do it and i don't at the risk of being pessimistic i don't see how we change it is the attitude at the top like one of the netherrealm guys um one of the netherrealm devs said uh, that the Mortal Kombat games are always profitable, so Crunch works, and that's why they keep it up. You know, like they, you know, they, they've been crunching. From what you can hear of people, like they've been crunching on every single Mortal Kombat for the last what almost a decade, from what I, from what I read. And if the management are like, well, this works, and this, you know, as, as you said, like you know, the shareholders are like, well, you know, the game is profitable, so what does it matter? I swear, Matt, um, our editor in chief, even heard a, a, a dev say anecdotally, like it's just. It is now impossible to develop triple A games to the the quality and the scope that they are, particularly things like Red Dead. I guess um, it is impossible to deliver to, to deliver that sort of product without crunch, and that's the attitude we need to change. Absolutely. I mean, like I I can't speak to the the logistical issues surrounding you know content development on the on the game side, but 
like just because we've done it this way for so long does not mean that that there's there's not smarter better more humane ways to do it and like i don't think there's anything special about burning people out like there's Mm. not some rare genius that only kicks in when you're completely exhausted and delirious and you know making mistakes in everything that you do like there's there's there are better ways to staff up to to bring on people train them uh for the tools that you need and the job that they're going to do and and unload them onto other projects at the end and and it's it's the sort of thing that might require a you know an upending of the uh of the industry's current way of doing things you know And, and maybe there is a you know sort of like the the hollywood model um where where kind of everyone is external and unionized and they're just brought on for when they need but like i understand there's a lot of problems with with kind of making that switch and then even finding a model that works well for actual game development but it's just it it seems incredibly short-sighted to think that you know the the only way to to make games viable is is to you know just hoover up entire graduating classes of kids and then put them through the ringer such that you know more than half of them are gone from the industry in a few years never to come back and just like burning through talent like that is um it's it's short-sighted it's it's inhumane and in the long run i I think it's kind of poisonous for the industry no, agreed. And you you, you, ref, you referred to the the Hollywood model. Like this, this is almost it, it's almost embarrassing the number of crunch stories that are coming out of the games in, games industry because you don't see this from the film industry. There the is an industry, asterisk. I, I, there is an asterisk. Okay. There. What's, what's, Animation, special effects, VFX houses in in films yeah. are the, the the crunch there is so bad that you know I don't travel in those circles i I don't follow those people on twitter it still surfaces for me on on a regular basis so it's not okay it's not like they've got everything figured out there Uh, no of course but 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 even even if you said so i before prior to recording i quickly googled film industry crunch and you still came up with a page full of um articles about games industry crunch and there wasn't as much about like uh, yeah animation vfx and like the sheer amount of digital um content that's going into films nowadays like yes i can imagine there are similar working practices at the those sort of uh you know those sort of project houses but we don't hear about it from endgame we don't hear about it from you know i don't know if they're already crunching on the rise of skywalker like and maybe that's a that's a film industry issue if they need more people to come forward and speak to speak about it like we are doing in the games industry but then maybe it's because it's not as big an issue as large an issue and if that's the case we need to work out why it is for us I mean, the thing is, we, we actually don't really know an awful lot about the films industry. So, it, and it's it's kind of it's apples and oranges trying to trying to compare the problems of our industry with the problems of theirs because stru- structurally at the moment they're so different. And I don't really know if trying to emulate the Hollywood structure would necessarily help. Um, I mean, it might, but I th- I think kind of the like the main issue is going back to a little bit what we were saying before is it's like I think the industry tends to like drink its own Kool Aid quite a lot. And it's like, well, it's worked in the past, and so it will keep on working. And I think 
Bioware is a very good example of, of, of that. And, you know, they, they like the quote-unquote Bioware magic, where it kind of keeps on working until it doesn't, but because it keeps on working, it just seems to be a... Uh, just like a totally viable practice as far as people in charge are concerned because, you know, they release the games and the game's successful and profits are up and shareholders are happy. And so, as far as they're concerned, the model is is fine. And what's one or two negative headlines in the press compared to, you know, soaring profits annually? There's a lot of pressure also um, on on developers to crunch, I think, coming from the the gamers, the fans, uh, just like that Fortnite epic crunch, like the game's hugely successful. Everyone wants new stuff for the game constantly. And so they've been crunching on that for, for two years now. And, uh, you look at, uh, uh, apex legends. Um, there was just a, a, like polygon had the awesome article with like the, the epic games employees talking about, you know, the horrible crunch they've been put through for two years. And like last week or the week before, they had an article on Polygon about Apex Legends and how it's not updating enough. And that's why it's losing its traction against, you know, Fortnite. And that's terrible for Apex Legends. And like that, that kind of pressure is, you know, like a, a really uh, a tangible thing for, for, for game developers and publishers. Like, them getting yelled at by the fan base is one of the few things that has been shown to to really like get their attention and and get them to to change their their way of doing things and this has been you know throughout the industry i was just watching the um the 1993 senate hearings on violence uh for for an unrelated story and uh, Nintendo's Howard Lincoln is, is talking to the congressman about the violence in, in Mortal Kombat and how, you know, Nintendo insisted that they wouldn't have the violent fatalities in the Super Nintendo version of the game. And it was sort of like a, a moral thing and, and how they knew that they might get, you know, some pushback, but they had thousands of phone calls and letters from people really upset about it. And then the next year, you know, lo and behold, Mortal Kombat 2 launches on Super Nintendo and it's got all the blood and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what I was going to is there was a, um, a Gamasutra article uh, where um, Vince Sampella of Respawn was talking at the GameSpeed Summit this week. The same day the Polygon um, Epic Games tell-all came out. And Zampella was talking about why their updates were not like weekly, but more seasonal. Like, this is an intentional thing, and he he explicitly said that it was for quality of life concerns and that they don't want to overwork the staff. That is an example of of the the, the pressure that, that Epic was under to, to update constantly, the pressure that a company like Respawn is put under to update constantly. But, you know, thankfully, at least it seems with Respawn, that they are, they are willing to prioritize uh, the... The culture that they have built there and the health of their their employees over you know quieting the the angry mob that just insists on on constant content mm. i think we need as much as we need more coverage of of what what poor working conditions are out there what terrible crunch practices are 
in effect we need more coverage of and this comes down to us i guess of what people are doing right of how people are avoiding crunch and obviously we've we've tried to do this around around the rockstar stuff we we spoke to our best places to work award winners and about how they avoid crunch and i think there just needs to be more kind of sharing of, of practice of like look if if you're in this situation, this is how you could or you could have avoided it, or will kind of try to avoid it on future projects. Like I, I'm not saying it's an ignorant thing that people are are in crunch because they don't know any other way, but there's I'm just I'm just optimistic that if people if people share more methods of not doing crunch of of avoiding that of of finding ways to better manage their time, better manage their resources, eventually someone's going to read that and go, ah, oh, we should try that. Yeah, I mean, I I might not be the most um, understanding person on this on this because I I just lay everything basically at, at uh, management and executive. Like the people at the top have to prioritize uh, the health of the developers because if they don't, you know, whatever practices that you have down the chain are are just going to be thrown in the trash because there's pressure from on top to 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 crunch more and to get things done on a tighter time frame and we can't delay it past you know this quarterly window things like that um and i i mean sometimes like yes maybe there is a situation where like okay if we crunch we can ship the game a little early and we really need that revenue in order to keep the lights on but like by the time you hit that point there's already like so many missteps made along the way so i'm 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 going to i'm going to say in 99% of the cases i will put the responsibility to avoiding crunch squarely on the um the people that are ultimately in control of of an operation yeah I mean, cuz like if you're going to be if you're going to be at the top of the the pyramid there like there's a lot of really great benefits that come with that and you know really just tremendous compensation for a number of people but like there's also a responsibility there to to everyone that is that is working for you to everyone whose livelihood is kind of hinging on your decisions so that's that's kind of where I'm the least forgiving of of <laughs> crunch issues. I I think as well like the the way that management can encourage crunch they can do it in quite like insidious ways that often don't seem like that's what they're doing. Like great examples are you know like breakout spaces and things like that and having having a sort of a campus style office where there's food and drinks and bars and gyms and things like that and it's basically a very sort of it's a a very like you know it seems good to provide services and quality of life for your staff but it ultimately just kind of keeps you in the office longer keeps you in the environment longer and just whether kind of willingly or unwillingly makes you give over more of your life to the company and it's it's kind of insidious and I've, I've heard people describe it as a trap before which I used to be a little bit kind of dismissive of but I'm increasingly of the opinion that like it does feel a bit like a trap now, I visited a studio not that long ago, and one of the people showing me around actually said, like, oh, you know, it's good because, you know, they might at least, if they stay for a, stay for a beer, so uh, we might get a couple of hours extra work out of them. And it was said as, like, this offhanded comment, but I was like, you do believe that, though. That's, that's the, the structure around which you've designed 
like your office space it's like you do believe that if you know an extra hour or two work because you give them some beer and it's i think that's kind of how these cultures get born and that's the weirdly like toxic and insidious side of it that feels a lot less obvious and on an almost similar note like the management rewarding those who do crunch so like uh, the amount of managers that have come forward you know like how uh, the, the houses around the rockstar thing so like oh yeah we, we don't enforce crunch like if people want to stay out of passion then you know we you know then we reward them for that it's like yes but that means that the people who are doing their job uh, you know during their normal working hours and then leaving to go home to see their families they're you know we've seen this with the nether realm people tweeting like you know they they get no pay rises no bonuses etc and i'm not saying you shouldn't reward people who put in the extra effort but if you're rewarding them to the point where it's excluding those who are putting in the right amount of effort in air quotes there right right amount of effort then you're then you're not you're not discouraging sorry you're not encouraging crunch but you are discouraging people from not crunching which is almost just as bad there there are so many like sort of soft social controls i think that that developers implement like the epic games uh story mentioned that they have unlimited time off there and like uh, as a company policy unlimited time off okay sure but then like if you give someone you know 20 vacation days a year they'll generally try and use 20 vacation days a year if you give them a nebulous unspecified number of vacation days and they know that like when they leave on vacation all of their friends all of their coworkers are gonna have to you know work that much harder to pick up the slack like they're not going to be taking a whole lot of vacation and when they do they're going to be building up all kinds of resentment from from their coworkers. and even if they're not they're going to be worried about building up all kinds of resentment from their coworkers for taking off so there's there's sort of like the that plausible deniability the company gets to say we are so generous with our vacation days we have unlimited time off but at the same time they they get the benefits of workers just being absolutely reluctant and and not taking the time off that they would actually need and probably take otherwise if you had given them like here's your specific amount of time. Hmm. It's also it, it it encourages people to just work harder rather than smarter, and that's that's one of the big problems with just this whole this whole approach. It's like just just work more rather than thinking about how to work a healthy amount, but do it in a much smarter way um, and actually kind of like managing your time. I mean, there's um, there's been plenty of studies about how a four-day working week, for example, is actually more productive than a five-day working week because people are less tired. And I don't know, There's, I'm sure a lot of people in the games industry would like bulk at the idea of a four-day working week. It's like, how will I get anything done? But I, I would be very interested to see kind of how that translates to the games industry because it seems to translate to a lot of other sectors perfectly well. No, I agree, and I, I think I, I, I'm not sure we'll get four-day working weeks in the industry. But I, I agree, like kind of working uh, smarter, not harder, is is definitely the way forward. I have to confess, you know, like in, in in the past, I I have thought, you know, I have worked harder. I've worked an extra hour or so after work purely because I've thought, oh, I've got to get this done. Oh well, I'll just do an extra hour after work. But that is that has purely put it on myself, and I've I've long since learned that that was a mistake. And I never I never got to the stage where I was, you know, I was doing the sort of hours that that people the developers are talking about. But I have. Like you know, you know, in the in the recent years, learned that actually, like, no, that was that was stupid. If I if I 
if I'm having to stay later after work, if I'm having to think, right, when can I find more time, whether it's in my lunch break or whether it's um, after work, I'm either taking too much on, too much is expected of me, or I am just not working smart enough, as you as you say, Hayden, and it's about pro- working out how to better prioritise. Something, I'll be honest, I'm still working out. <laughs> I mean, in, in my sort of in a previous life, when I was uh, working in political campaigns, like the the hours that I was required to work there were absolutely insane. It was it was beyond 12-hour working days most days. And that's a real case of, like, not enough resources, kind of poor management from above, poor management on my part as well, because I was very young and just basically being kind of handed this thing to do. But I, I wonder as well, kind of, like, part of, part of what I learned from that is I realised the pressure that I was putting on other people around me to work as many, many hours as I was, because I was kind of just like flailing madly and drowning in like these 12-hour work days. It's like, come on, guys, if you can just stay an extra hour. That would really help me. Um, and that is, that is kind of part of the part of the culture, isn't it? You see, you know, one person kind of putting in an unhealthy amount and it becomes almost infectious. Yeah. Okay, so on a developer level, though, then that comes down to people being brave enough. Not, not, people, more people stepping forward and saying, nope, I am done. I'm clocking out. See you tomorrow. But again, like mm-hmm. just, I mean, we're going in circles here. But you know, if they're if they're <laughs> being punished for it, or rather they're they're being excluded for it, you know, they don't they don't get pay rises or bonuses or whatever they need to to kind of just keep up with the increasing cost of living. Then they're not going to do that. Like ultimately, you know, as, as much as we said earlier about um, management need to think about what it takes to keep on, you know, keep the lights running at the at the studio. Everyone, every single you know individual employee is trying to do what they need to do to keep the light run, lights running at home. And if the cost of living and the lack of you know the low wages means that they need to join in the crunch and they need to just crack on and not complain about it to to you know provide for their family like that. That we've we've just got the industry has got into a really horrible horrible place that I hope we get out of. that's all we've got time for this week we'll be back next week with more discussion of the latest industry news in the meantime you can check out our previous episodes they're on Pocket Cast Player FM Stitcher Spotify iTunes all good podcasting platforms and you can find your daily dose of news analysis and insight into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz You know, I'm convinced you make up half those podcast platforms. No, they're real. I promise they're real. (laughs) Largely because I used a lot of them while trying to get rid of Apple's bloody awful podcast app.